Have you ever wanted an instruction manual for your life? Something that went over the stuff that isn't always obvious? Or even some of the stuff that is? My name is Sarah Ramsey. I'm a singer, voice, performance, and growth coach, and I've spent a lifetime open to the lessons behind our experiences and seeking out pathways to becoming more enlightened, better humans. And I'm Dr. Stefan Rabnett. I've been a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine for over 20 years, and I'm also a Jay Shetty certified life coach. I've long been fascinated with our human superpowers, the ones we don't quite have the instruction manual for, and I'm forever curious about how we can unlock them. Welcome to This Big Life Podcast, where we have deeper conversations about the nature of existence, our place in it, and how we can leverage these things to create the life we want. Basically, we're bringing the woo-woo to you, you. But don't worry, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of This Big Life Podcast. We have an exciting show today. We're starting a, a new type of theme, whereas before we've had the three big things where we have guests come on and they share their three wonderful tips for life. Today, we're going to do a first of this big blueprint for life. And to do that, we're going to start with Ooh. something that I know um, a little bit about. It's the eight limbs of Chinese medicine. Another way to put it, another eight branches of Chinese medicine or eight branches for health or eight ways to get your superpowers on. You can pick the title. Basically, it's a blueprint to help us be phenomenal. And so it's a really interesting list. It's on one level, it seems obvious, um, but on another level, it includes a few other interesting tidbits. And it's a weighted list in the sense that the things at the top are the things that if you do those, it makes the other things following on the list, one, a little bit easier, and two, mm. it's just the best part of the list. It's the top of the list. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> Anyways, so- Cream rises to the eight, top, right? Yes, exactly. So, Sarah, um, <laughs> basically, I think, you know, maybe we'll, I'll just kind of start yabbling here in a sec, but um, it's, um, it's a good comprehensive list. And when I was looking over this list again, it kind of put forth a few good reminders for myself as well. Because again, when we conceptualize mm -hmm. something, even the things we know are good, sometimes they lose, they kind of slip away a little bit. And I did notice definitely some of this myself. So, um, so yeah, do you have any thoughts before we get started here? I'm just super excited because I, as you know, I happen to have a couple of close friends, you among them who are in the world of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And so I have heard this terminology spoken about um, with perhaps more frequency than the average Joe. Uh, and I have zero understanding of what it is. So I'm super excited, actually, to just learn more. Cool. Take it away, my friend. Okay. Well, I think I'm just going to actually list them first, and then we're going to go back. Okay? okay. So the first one, number one. Meditation. Number two, exercise. Number three, diet. Number four, 
feng shui. Number five, astrology or cosmology. Number six is bodywork and massage. Number seven is acupuncture. And number eight is herbology. So right off the top, some cool stuff there. Right. Like there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot mm-hmm. of good bits in there for health, for everything, for, um, uh, being the best version of yourself. So traditionally this list I think was made, um, you know, again, for that idea is, is how do you ensure a long, healthy life and kind of looking at the list, the, 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 the beginning part of the list really emphasizes things that you can do to, um, set yourself up for success and kind of the bottom of the list is more of, okay, how do we course correct if something goes a little bit astray in some way, shape or form. So first of all, let's dive in. Number one, meditation. We talk about meditation so much and, um, I think anybody that's heard me, a patient or anything, yabble about meditation, I'm probably going to give the yabble here too, but the importance of it, I think we're starting to recognize more and more, but how to do it and actually believing that we can do it. That's what I think we're starting to collectively learn as well, because I think the idea is, oh yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. idea, but I can do it. I've got the noisiest mind in the world. There's no way I'm going to be able to meditate. And there's a lot of people that have that experience and there is thankfully a way around that. And I'll get to that in a sec, but the general idea with meditation with respect to the eight limbs was kind of the idea is resources are going to go to where, where you look, even if you're looking internally, even if you're looking at an environment that's internally a bit chaotic, resources are going to go there. It's the whole, you know, if you're driving and there's an obstacle in the road, if you stare at the obstacle, you're going to hit it. If you kind of stare at where the way around the obstacle, then that's where likely you're going to go. So the idea with meditation is you're becoming aware of your internal environment. So getting back to the whole aspect of meditation itself, I can say that I'm, when I started meditating, I just thought, oh my God, I'm a horrible meditator. Like there's no way like I'm going to get to a point where there's going to be no thoughts. That's impossible. Like I was just like, I'm a crazy person. This isn't for me. I I don't know if you've meditated, Sarah, what your experience has been. I have, I, I aspire to be a good meditator and I'm kind of shitty at it. It's uh, my experience. I took a meditation, actual meditation course, like, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago. And I enjoy it was with my yoga teacher at the time. I enjoyed that because it was a very different approach to meditation. It was like an eyes open. Okay, we're going to focus on the sound of that bus out there. Or we're like, it was just a different way of coming to that same place of being able to observe your thoughts without attaching to them was sort of the, awesome. the end result that yeah. I got out of it. And along the way, what I have found useful are the are either guided meditations. That's a, a good way for me to go. Or like those meditation apps, which are also just kind of guided meditations, like Calm and uh, I can't remember. There's another one uh, because it seems to be a thing that I don't do very well all by myself. Hmm. And so you're not, I, you're not I alone there. I really like the, yeah, I like the guided aspect of it so that 
I don't feel like I'm trying to do something that I don't really understand how to do very well. That's totally fair. And I think thankfully now is there is there are so many good apps. There are so many kind of structured things out there to kind of set the stage for us to kind of have a meditation practice. And, you know, Mm -hmm. what you just described there, too, is an aspect of mindfulness. That's a word we hear now a lot more, too, is basically the practice of being mindful. So it's the Mm -hmm. practice of being present, kind of interpreting data as opposed to making conclusions on the data that we assimilate and kind of perceive. Yeah. So mindfulness is a big thing as too. And that's and, and that's an aspect that is, you know, incredibly potent and powerful and has become a lot more accepted. So it's a practice that has benefits. Mm-hmm. It's been studied. So it's um, it's it's a very positive one. The aspect of meditation for me that I found one very challenging, but then also um, rewarding, was first of all for me getting back to when I would like in the past and being like I'm just not a meditator. There's no way this head is going to become clear. Is someone told me just show up, and for me that changed everything. And the analogy Mm. that I really like to use is that of treating your mind like a hyper child in the sense that if you give your mind the safe space to run around, (laughs) just like if you give like a toddler or a kid, like a four-year-old that's just had some sugar, like the safe space to run around and be ballistic, they'll be ballistic in that space but something will shift afterwards. And it's the same thing with meditation is especially at the start, when you sit there, it's not likely going to be calm. You know, you're going to be like, whoa, there's a lot going on inside my head. But what you start to look for is not what happens when you're sitting there meditating, but how things shift afterwards. And I find that that's a very helpful way to start. And in order to do that, The only thing we really have to do is set the parameter of time in the sense that if you set a timer for five minutes, 10 minutes seems to be a real sweet spot. Um, But even starting with just five minutes, setting a timer, hitting start, breathing into your lower abdomen and um, just observing it. But if you're like most people, you're not going to get past two breaths before you start thinking about food or your eyes are closed or this is weird or like whatever the commentary is. The good thing is, is you don't have to stop it. It's not about not having those thoughts. It's about changing the relationship to those thoughts. And so what, again, you'll notice is if you let those thoughts come, then they'll start to go. When you want to come back to your breath, come back to your breath. But it's not better or worse no matter what you're experiencing in that time. Mm -hmm. But you should notice afterwards an increased efficiency in the sense of things are just a little bit clearer. Or you can kind of have a little bit finer tuned aspect. Okay, I want that. Or that's somebody else's stuff. Or whatever the case may be. And again, that first time when you're actually sitting there likely isn't going to be relaxing. It's that five minutes is going to seem like an eternity for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's totally okay. You will start to look forward to it, but that's not going to happen right away. But that's like kind of um, an analogy of training for anything in terms of like a physical feat or a marathon or something along those lines is you got to put, a, put up a little bit of work and discomfort. It's the same thing with the meditation. That discomfort is actually often when you're sitting there meditating. And I think we sometimes have this idea that it's supposed to be incredibly calming right away. So we sit and we try it. We're like, whoa, that was chaos. That wasn't relaxing. It ain't for me. I'm not going to do it. But basically, thankfully, that's not the case. So again, all we have to do is set the parameter of time. You sit as opposed to lie down, just because there's certain reflexes that if you're lying down, your body will think more towards sleep. And you just start watching your breath, but let go of what happens next. But then when you're done, start to observe how things feel. 
So that's the first limb, the first branch of Chinese medicine and health is meditation. It's interesting that you say that you need to be sitting instead of lying down because we, uh, Steve and I did for about a year uh, during the pandemic, we did, I think it was Calm. I think it was that app that we got and we would do it every night before bed. And now it was intended as a meditation to make sleep better, but it was also the only time of day that we could do it together and be in that space together. So we would, we would lie in, it was directly before sleep. So we would lie down in bed, put on one of the meditations and it would say, you know, sit up and we wouldn't, we would lie down. And, and the interesting thing about doing it together with a partner <laughs> for my very busy mind that perhaps has some control issues is that I really had to school myself out of wondering, is he doing it right <laughs> the whole time? <laughs> Yep. Yeah. The rules are on your own game, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think again, we should just be helpful to have more than one kind of word for meditation. And there's an endless type of meditation, Mm. like yoga nidras. There's so many things where you are lying down and they're beneficial. There's a lot of different ways you can have mindfulness and awareness of your body and your consciousness and your environment, including lying down. What sitting Mm -hmm. up does is for a certain type it really accentuates the relationship with your mind because there's a certain level of alertness with your mind that's going to be different when you're sitting versus lying. And an alert mind isn't always a comfortable mind because it's alert mind can also Mm -hmm. be a busy kind of monkey mind and kind of things scattering that way. So when you're sitting up, you're basically placing that monkey right in front of you. You know, your monkey mind is right there. So it is a little bit more challenging to do but the benefits of it for that particular aspect in terms of shifting your relationship with your mind is, um, is what's helpful. And yeah, again, the, 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 it's not that the thoughts, again, the monkey mind completely disappears, but our relationship to it changes. So like at the beginning, like a thought is going to be like a plastic bag in the wind where, you know, it's plastered to your face and you can't see past it. Well, over time, it's not like that plastic bag isn't there, but it's way in the distance and you can kind of see it floating by and you're like, who cares? It's just a plastic bag over there. So that's Mm -hmm. what starts to Mm -hmm. shift over time is our relationship with it. And I'm glad you brought that up because you don't have to sit up to get benefits of mindfulness, awareness, or meditation. Like you don't, Mm -hmm. you can be lying down. I'm sure you could be in any pretzel position you desire, right? It can be anything. Um, (laughs) It's the intent behind it to be aware. And that's kind of, I think, really yeah. kind of summing up what the meditation is, is the intent to be aware. And kind of looping this back just to the eight limbs with respect to health is it helps us become aware of our own bodies, our environment, it just allows for an efficiency of communication, of awareness, but also of function within our system. So yeah, absolutely. And because you are not going to do this. I am going to do this. Ha ha ha. Uh, I would like our audience to know that if you are new to meditating, Stefan actually has an ebook that is available on his site. Fair. I'll what put is that your in the website, Stefan, where people can? Yeah. Budilife.com. 
So I'll put that so in there for Stephen sure. Stefan wrote a, a little ebook about it's like meditation for beginners, and it's 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 an awesome resource, and it's a, a free ebook on your site. So I I yeah, encourage the, I our listeners that, to check that out. It was a book, or a little something that I've always since I started, because the title of the book is "How to Meditate for People Whose Minds Won't Shut Up," and that's basically yeah. <laughs> that was my mind. And I'm very yeah. grateful that I persevered through it. And again, even though I have a meditation practice, it's not like I sit there now and everything is all perfectly peaceful and glorious, serene, zen-like inside my head. Far from it. But it doesn't take long to start to notice the benefits of it. And again, mm -hmm. it's not like you're completely fixing something. You're very, you're impactfully, positively nudging something. And yeah. that's what meditation is. So cool. Okay, that's number one. We got it. We're gonna get through these, or else well, this will be a multi. multi well, it, it might be a two-part show. I'm looking at the list and the time, and it might be a two-part show. We'll <laughs> that's see. Okay, it's okay. Um, okay, totally number two, is. exercise. So exercise is just like, well, yeah, duh, you know, like, and yeah, well, of course, right? Exercise is a very important yeah. thing. We hear that all the time, and it is a very Im important aspect of our health. What um, exercise from kind of a, a Chinese medicine perspective really kind of incorporates the aspect of, they use Tai Chi and Qigong a lot for their version of exercise. So what that entails is a certain level of incorporating the first limb, the meditation in the sense of mindfulness with movement. So mindful movement as a way to kind of help information get to where it needs to go. And really that's, that is one of the biggest things with respect to exercise is making sure the information can move. You know, we can have resources or information, but if it's not getting to where it needs to go, then that information isn't, nearly as effective. So mm -hmm. basically exercise, the second limb is all about distribution. It's all about getting the stuff to where it needs to go and using practices to help it get there. So, and the nice thing is, is it doesn't, it can be any sort of aspect of, um, of exercise. Obviously I'm a fan of Tai Chi and Qigong, but it can be anything. It can be yoga. It can be we're going for a run. It could be anything Ideally, as long as we have some sort of mindfulness of the process and also why we're doing mm. the process, because again, we can exercise to just avoid something we can exercise to clear our head and that's, that's all okay. But the more awareness we have about the exercise, the more effective that distribution of information internally is going to be. So, and again, even, I think the best form of like exercise and movement is like turning on a random song and dancing by yourself, you know, like, or yeah. something like that, where there's an aspect <laughs> the of movement dance. where there's no structure. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Cause the more, um, the more free flowing it is generally, the more again, without restraint it is. And therefore mm -hmm. the more easier things can move. If there's less constraint, things move better. If there's more constraint, things don't move as much. So the more the exercise mm -hmm. has a playfulness to it, the better. And that's why, you know, it's not that if you're training for, you know, a high level physical event, it's, it's not going to be positively impactful for your health. It obviously will be, but there is a bit of a correlation that if you can make it free flowing, if you can make it again, playfulness aspect to it, it's going to have that much more benefit for what you're doing. 
Mm-hmm. So exercise number two. Yep. Number three. Love it. I'm going to jump right into number three. I'm doing it. Yeah. Well, I, I think too, like exercise is, is a, a much more familiar piece for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. it's, it's mostly the aspect that you're introducing is the concept of attaching mindfulness to exercise being mm-hmm. um, a little bit more beneficial than mindless exercise. Yes. But any, both uh, yes. are beneficial. Both are beneficial. It's like a spectrum, right? There's degrees of mm-hmm. nudges and mm-hmm. the more mm-hmm. mindful the exercise. And again, mindful, it again, doesn't have to be focused, right? Because it's not like if you're sitting there right. turning on a music and, you know, dancing like a spaz, like I would, is <laughs> is very focused, right? It's, it's letting go. Mm-hmm. So there's an aspect of kind of just release with respect to the exercise that is beneficial. That release kind of helps things get to where it needs to go internally. So, yeah. Yeah. um, number three, diet, go. diet, diet, no. diet. So this is my, um, admittedly sometimes the nemesis on the list for me. Um, but it is a journey And so diet basically from this perspective is all about the food or we'll call it, I guess we can use the analogy of information with a lot of these. It's the information you put into your body. So it's the stuff that you kind of go from out there to in there. And so that's relevant. We know that, but it can instantaneously bring up such a charge. I think like, oh my gosh, the shoulds, right? Like the shoulds like to hang out in <laughs> the diet neighborhood, right? Like, oh, I should, like, you know, like I'm supposed to, to the point then it's just like, I can't deal. The should is too much stress. I'm just going to not really pay attention to that. And I've definitely been guilty of that. Um, but it is just the awareness that the information that we're trying to move in limb two with exercise generally comes from somewhere. And one of the big avenues we get it is from the outside world in the form of food, in the form of drink, and in the form of different aspects of nourishment that way. And that is very, very relevant. And any little awareness towards that is helpful. And again, it's a spectrum of kind of nudges. But we all too often, I think, pigeonhole ourselves in having to be perfect. So if we're going to be aware of something, if we're going to open the diet door, then, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. everything that we have to be perfect then. And the more we can get ourselves away from that conclusion, the better. And then and mm-hmm. the more we're just aware of kind of what we're putting in impacts us is helpful, but not going into the judgment of what we've done up until that point or even the squeeze of anxiety of what we quote unquote need to do in the immediate future. Because the reality is, is we've all gotten to where we've gotten to go. And we all likely have looked at, you know, our past dietary habits as being, well, I could have changed that a little bit, but we're all relatively still Mm -hmm. okay. So it's okay, right? We're doing okay. But the recognition that what we put in is very helpful. So it's a, this, it'd be a different kind of topic and maybe we do an episode on it, but diet therapy is an, an interesting thing as well, because basically mm. you're not so much correcting something, but you can adjust your diet for um, certain patterns that present itself within you. That's kind of nothing new, really. I mean, all mm-hmm. kind of philosophies, mm-hmm. I guess, kind of, kind of have that, but um with kind of Chinese medicine, diet is a big part with respect to certain flavors, having certain nudges specifically. So like say a bitter food is something right. yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of descends stuff. 
right? Or, you know, certain things, extringe stuff, or, you know, as like a, a certain flavor, sweet, say, hypothetically, relates to the earth element. So it kind of kind of enters in all the different themes and stuff. Um, and it just, it's just, you know, a modern version of that is going to be different aspects of like proteins or amino acids or kind of different actual building blocks or vitamins yeah. kind of, of we need. So diet is, um, diet is number three. And basically it sets the stage because it's where the information that we are going to use comes from. I'm always curious and, and it's because I don't understand enough about it that like I am someone who has a well established sweet tooth. <laughs> so when you say that relates to earth, I don't really understand what that means. Well, that's totally fair. And it's something, not something we'd be able to really totally dive into in this in this episode, I think maybe doing even an episode of the different elements would be good, mm -hmm. but they mm -hmm. are, mm -hmm. nothing is in isolation, right? And I think even that's the theme of the eight limbs. And that's the theme of China, Chinese medicine is nothing exists in isolation. So that craving for sweetness, isn't just some random thing that arises out of the chemistry of your body. It is impacted by a lot of different themes and traditionally, uh, acupuncture and Chinese medicine and Taoism used the five elements as a way to describe those themes. So yeah. there it had different areas that that related to each other. So sweetness relating to earth, and then, and then there's a whole cascading kind of aspect that it relates to. So, and it's not always like causal in the sense of this causes that, but mm -hmm. it's just to get an idea of how the environment is is kind of unfolding. And um because there's is there's so many different approaches with respect to diet and even cravings, right? Like there's so yeah. many things related to nourishing ourselves, past traumas, like different events, just you know expressions of our nervous system. Like there's so many different things that impact it. But thankfully, it's it can almost get overwhelming because there are so many things that it can impact it. And one of the things I like about the kind of Chinese medicine approach is it gives you a subtle kind of way of kind of um, looking at those things by going at a theme first. So everything mm -hmm. is kind of divided into five different themes and then you can branch off from there. So as opposed to really trying to do something, you can kind of piece the things a little bit together and be like, oh, okay, you know, that's part of maybe why, you know, that craving is being accentuated is because of something else that wasn't met that you're not really kind of thinking of. Right. So, right. So, yeah, so that's, um, and that's why diet is, again, this aspect of being aware of it without judging it is incredibly helpful. And I think I've mentioned this before, but um, I forget what book it was from, but I think Atomic Habits. But anyways, they, when they looked at weight loss, they looked at one of the most impactful and successful habits to do was just to write down what you ate. Nothing mm -hmm. else. So not like having to plan or having to do whatever, but just simply starting to write down, like I had oatmeal, I had chips, I had a cheese sandwich, I had this, I had this, I had this. That aspect helped people become more aware and things just started to shift in terms of dietary choices. Yeah. And so because that's... Because how often are we not even aware that we're putting something in our mouths? Absolutely. Honestly, like 
while you're cooking dinner, you're putting this in your mouth. Or if you're a parent with young kids, you're eating the end of their sandwich that they leave on the plate. Or like those things, we just, they we don't even register that we are eating them. And it's not that they are bad. They are they are just part of the, the landscape. It's the lack of awareness that causes more problems. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think yeah. to the biggest thing that impacts our lack of awareness is judgment and our self judgment mm. and our shoulds. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that just puts up a wall of, I ain't going there. Right. Cause we don't want to feel that. So we just kind of avoid it and we kind of filter certain things out. At least that's been my experience personally. And I've definitely yeah. kind of seen it with people. And, and I think, I mean, we could do, well, we sort of have done some episodes that talked a fair bit about food, but we could do an entire episode just on food as well. But there are definitely things because what we put in our mouths, it's not just the food choice. We we balance a lot of other things out there. You know, last night we were coming home from an appointment and it was going to be way too late when I started making dinner and we didn't really have anything. So we made the choice to get a pizza on the way home. But we made the choice to get one, not two. So mm. it was like, okay, so we're going to do this because the the time cost, it, it made sense to do this. This was a way to take care of ourselves in terms of time. It wasn't maybe the quote unquote best food, but boy, was it ever satisfying also because we chose an appropriate amount, not an excessive amount. Like those were things I felt at the end of it. I actually felt really good about our choices, not shitty about our choices. And you know, that's a, that's a shift for me. Cause usually when you order pizza, well, my experience is usually when we order pizza, it's not a thing you feel good about at the end of the day. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, you just shared a lot of awareness that you had around that. Absolutely. We still get that too. Like all pizza. Okay. Well, we'll try harder next time. Right. Or again, there's inherent judgment for me. Like, Oh, okay. Well that, but it's, it's not about that. It's about being conscious with every decision, like choosing a pizza that you're going to want to enjoy and being mindful of just like, okay, how much do we really need? Right. And pizza is a great example because it's easy. I can go through, like I'm a sucker for ham and pineapple and jalapenos on pizza. Like, (laughs) you know, and just like, that's very easy to, to just keep going with that. So the mindfulness is, is definitely, um, yeah, that's really cool. That's an important aspect of stuff. Yeah. The, um, the one thing, don't know how it relates necessarily like to put it in, but I was thinking about this this morning because, you know, we we have a, a five month old and, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, you know, we remember all parents or all people that have kind of looked at kids, like little kids is there, they go to their mouth. It's like their biggest yep. like kind of experiencer, right? Like they'll grab your finger, put it in your mouth, my mouth, like it's going to a mouth, like everything's going in that mouth, right? Like it's just yeah. before they even have little teeth, they can't chew it. They just want to experience it. Right. And so our mouths are a portal to experience from the get go. And so yeah. it is a charged area. Right. And that's where I'll also part of, where, um, why it can be so charged, why diet can be so charged is because that oil kind of, um, kind of nourishing experience is such an ingrained part of us to take something and put it in our mouth. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a powerful bit, right? And there's a lot to yeah. kind of even unpack there in and of itself, but 
So it's just another way of saying like we come by our dietary kind of interestingnesses honestly. You know, we're hardwired to kind of on a lot of different levels to kind of have interesting stuff with food. And it's, it starts, it starts from the get go. Right. And again, we use that motion. Yeah. It can be such a great weather vane for a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, cool. Well, let's do kind of one more here and that's feng shui. Yep. So Feng Shui is something, admittedly, I wish I could download all the information instantaneously into my brain because I've always had an interested interest in it. Um, I've always liked structure. I've always liked the third dimension. You know, my father was an architect. There was always kind of that how things are shaped and fit. And really, uh-huh. it's how things flow. So this and the following one kind of are, there's there's similarities and we'll get that to the next episode. But with this, it's, it's all about funneling information. It's all about using information to maximize certain things. It's not when I first kind of heard of feng shui when I was younger and I didn't know anything about acupuncture or Chinese medicine, I thought it was all like kind of superstition, right? Not to judge it, but like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, if you do this, this and this, well, that's a superstition and maybe there's a chance that this happens. If you do this, this, and this, but going into it, you realize it's not about that at all. Like there is more fortuitous alignments and stuff. Yes, but it is all about the flow of information. And I think we've all had experiences where you kind of go into a room and it just kind of feels good. Or, you know, if you have, if somebody has cleaned an area and then you'd walk in and you just kind of have a different mental space. Like mm-hmm. I know a lot of people and myself included, like I'm someone that can have blinders on with respect to leaving things here and there around the house. I could sense my partner just now going, uh-huh, <laughs> from <laughs> ways away. But I'm also someone somehow, somehow, like if things are tidy and crisp, there's a flow to it and there's an yeah. ease that kind of happens. So if nothing else, kind of being mindful of our environment and basically that's what that is being mindful how information is bouncing and flowing it can um set us up for a lot of different success if nothing else helping our minds be calmer which in and of Uh itself is going to help us be more aware which is going to then impact those three things above the list it's going to impact our dietary choices our ability to exercise and our willingness to meditate So that placement, that feng shui is really just about setting your physical space up for success. And really, it's really, really cool. Like, you know, I I think it's always about finding the right fit for you. But I know personally, like sometimes I've gone through this and I know other people have too. Like if you, if you're not sleeping well, or you're going through a phase where suddenly things just aren't, you know, it's kind of weird shifting where you're the head of your bed faces Uh can nudge things. It's not going to work for everybody. It's not going to instantaneously necessarily change at all, but it is a nudge because we are in alignment with our environment. And that's another thing that the feng shui thing emphasizes is how much we are not actually in isolation. We are part of our environment and our environment matters. And basically that's what feng shui is. I have thought for years that I would love to a understand the principles of feng shui better than I do, which is approximately 0%. Um, and I 
Like, if I could hire a feng shui decorator, I know that they probably do exist. Uh, they have not uh, reached the top of my priority, my financial priority list. It's so it's not that they don't exist. But I would love to have somebody come in and, like, help get the get the flow going in my house because I don't understand the principles of it enough, but I I see the the value in it in a huge yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. And I think again is what you say is is because we did something we don't necessarily know a lot about and we see this end result and we see it's something oh we can't really do, but it's got to be expensive. That it's that it is just that, that it's a luxury. That's a luxury that's like nah. And, you know, I think obviously for most of us to have someone like an expert come in and do it and not only say where to do things, but to get all the things to be like, okay, you need your perfect water element in that corner. You need a fountain. You need like, you know, that's Mm -hmm. could and that can very quickly become an expensive endeavor. But the nice thing Mm -hmm. about feng shui is just like with exercise, you don't have to start out to run a marathon, right? With meditation, Mm -hmm. you don't have to suddenly go and lock yourself or go to a cave for months on end. Uh, every little bit helps. So with the feng shui, again, it's just being aware of the environment. The feng shui aspect with respect to Chinese medicine principles is helpful because, again, one of the beauties of that system is is how they use the themes. You know, and I mentioned the five elements before with respect to um, kind of the diet and, and everything. It's the same thing with how they organize uh-huh, the uh-huh. flow of information in your physical space. So the five elements are a nice kind of like kind of theme of that. But I think for most people, yeah. again, it's not hard one to kind of go online and just look at um, certain very, very basics with respect to feng shui. And we'll kind of, I'll provide a, a link in the notes to like a website that does a little basic bit of that. But again, if nothing else, it's letting yourself be mindful of your physical environment and let certain levels of instinct guide you, right? Like I think it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, if you're for some reason... You're drawn to having a plant there in the corner, put a plant there in the corner, right? Without it having to be necessarily like correct and like, oh, well, this is the way the real feng shui says that there and this there. I think at this level, that's not necessary. You can still have a positive effect by honoring your physical space. And really that I think, if anything, is what I take that feng shui kind of aspect, that branch to be is being conscious of your physical space and setting your physical space up for success for whatever you're doing in it. So my question is, if you're drawn to having a plant in that corner, but you also have a really, really black thumb and kill all plants, I'm asking for a friend here. Yeah. Yeah. Can you put a plastic plant in the corner? (laughs) You can do whatever you want. You can call it the corner of death. You can do whatever you want. Whatever you want, right? I, I think, seem to you know, be again, able, unable to keep plants alive, but I love <sighs> having the greenery in my house, but I kill everything. Well, th- 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 that's a separate kind of topic. And maybe there's some plants or some <laughs> things that, you know, are harder that might set you up for a little bit more success with respect to that. I have killed cacti. <sighs> you, you got skills, eh? <laughs> I do. I do. I got some mad, mad plants killing skills. I keep people alive. Not so much plants. Yeah. Well, interesting. Um, 
because there is aspects. So like wood element being like the, the, the plant stuff, right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's aspects that you, the wood element that you can nourish the wood element. So, you know, there's ways with water, like the putting water element to kind of nourish the wood element a little bit. So like kind of maybe starting with a water feature, some blues or something like that in your room mm-hmm. and then putting a plant there. See what happens. There's no judgment. Like that's my belief, right? Like, so if it's a fake yeah. plant, it's a fake plant. Yes, theoretically, the vibrancy and what we would call the chi, like the radiant information that's con- going to contribute to your space, you're going to get a little bit different from a real plant than a fake plant. It's just going to be different. We won't yeah. judge it or put it in a hierarchy or anything, but it's going to be different. There's going to be, you know, and that's even on a physical level with oxygen and stuff that it's going to produce and this relationship that you have in terms of gas exchange and that type of thing. Yeah. So, but a fake plant in the corner giving you joy is still a contribution to you. Right. So there's not, it's just kind of different that way. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so, so yeah, like there's a few basic stuff, even like with bed position to kind of play with. And I think with everything is the two things to bring to it. If you're, you know, if you're interested is, is this aspect of awareness and curiosity. So Mm. it's not, and this again goes for everything and it's easier said than done, but it, it still definitely applies here that if you're curious about it and less about having to get it right you're likely going to end up having a bigger contribution to your overall environment and health. So right. if you're just like, Hey, you know, I wonder what it'd be like if, you know, things that we need a little shift, can we put the bed in that corner on that wall? And let's just see. Right. And yeah. see what happens. Same thing with respect to mirrors. Mirrors are one thing that come up a lot with respect to feng shui mm-hmm. because people are like, Oh yeah, you're not supposed to have a mirror like across your bed and this and this and this and this, or, you know, there's a toilet seat thing. And like, you know, there's little bits of that which do affect flow, but it's also about kind of trusting stuff and then also playing with it a little bit and seeing kind of where you, what feels different, you know, if you move a mirror here and there. So I think at the beginning, there's an aspect of curiosity and uh, awareness. And if you find that you're someone, you're like, Hey, actually, this is really cool. Or um, I'm really drawn to having my, you know, room red, I wonder why, then you can kind of reverse engineer it and even just go on, like, look it up and be like, what's the feng shui of this color, mm-hmm. right? And be like, oh, that's interesting without making it too significant. But then you, again, you're kind of allowing information to come to you and it's easier to be part of, um, uh, contribute to your overall environment. And then if it happens enough, then you're more likely to be like, you know what? I am going to prioritize having a professional come in here and, Um, Yeah, yeah. Kind of get that in there because I'm going to get something of it. I'm curious now. It's not a should. It's not like, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I want to see what they come up with. And then that is kind of a different level of feng shui. But I think we have to let ourselves get there kind of authentically. I just came up with a fantastic project for you. Actually, a series of fantastic projects for you. I think your next writing project should be feng shui for dummies or feng shui for beginners who are dummies like me it is fun. like, you know, it's like funny. Write I know, the like, book I, for I me feel like that we we that term we don't we can't really don't really use anymore like for dummies <laughs> but, <laughs> um um 
well, I would have to research a lot and that would be good for me to, cause I, I am curious about it. So that's definitely a win-win thing potentially, but, but just like the, yeah. the basics, it, not a deep dive, but like, how do you just get started? Because I actually at one point did try and find books or resources or like a little mini self-guided course that I could do, or, you know, any of those things that I could do to like go through my house and do it. And I couldn't find anything that was uh, the right level of basics for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everything was was either so surface that it was just like, this is the principle of feng shui, go be you. Or it was such a deep dive that it was like way too overwhelming. And I ended up doing zero of the things because Mm -hmm. there was no middle ground that was like, here's a really good, just starting point. Mm -hmm. And, and then my bigger project for you is that, well, then maybe you should do a writing on each one of these like branches of the, you know, the eight branches, you should do it. That's fair. And I will also come up with some machine that allows me to have more time in my world to do all of this, but could totally totally do that. It's a a 20-year plan. It's a 20-year plan. Thank you. I like that. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. there's a lot of information here. And and, um, it's nice because each one of these kind of branches off into a lot of different things, but we can also come back to this list. For today's show, you know, we have meditation, exercise, diet, and feng shui. And we can look at it as, you know, observing information, moving information, giving ourselves information, and funneling the flow of information in our environment. So it's kind of four Mm. different ways of looking at information, and they're all relevant. So next time in part two, we're going to look at some other ones as well. Um, I love that. Yeah, I, and, I love that. And see what kind of offshoots from there because it's one of those, it's a paradox, right? Like health, success, it's so easy and it's so not at the same time, right? And yeah. this is kind of, but this is why blueprints are helpful. And there's lots of different blueprints out there. Um, and this is just one of many, many, many valid blueprints for health. But the yeah. blueprints give us something to come back to when we're off in the tethers. Just like with meditation, coming back to our breath gives us something literally to come back to when we're off in the la-la lands of our mind kind of going off. It's just right. something to come back to. That's what a blueprint does. So, um, so yeah, there we have it. That's part one I of the it. eight limbs of Chinese medicine. And I am excited to come back and do part two uh, because I... I learned a ton today. So I'm, I'm cool. Even if I'm the only person that learned something today, I'm really happy that we did this episode because I loved it and I am looking forward to part two and, uh, and there we have it. So we will come back with part two next week. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for coming. See you later. Thanks for joining our conversation today. You can head over to thisbiglifepodcast.com for all the show notes and information. If you loved what you heard here today, would you do us a favor and rate and review the show? It helps more people just like you discover these juicy conversations. And if you know someone you think would love this particular episode, you can even go ahead and share it with them right now. And 
If you have a topic you would love to hear us discuss, or someone you think would make a great guest for our show, you can submit your ideas using the link in the show notes. And you can always find us on Instagram, at This Big Life Podcast. Thanks again. We'll be right back here in your ears next Tuesday. See you then.